before the Lord God, we fell down on our knees in despair and pleaded, Lord, have patience with me. I promise to pay back everything and to make restitution. Even though we knew too well that we would never be able to pay it. And then suddenly, everything changed. God's countenance was no longer filled with anger, but rather with enormous misery and pain because of us human beings. And so God remitted all our debt, and we were forgiven, we were free, and all anxiety departed from us. And we were once again joyous, and we were once again able to look God in the eye and to offer thanks. You guys hear me? Oh, wow. There we go. We're on. My name's Austin. I'm the family pastor here at Three Crosses, and I have the opportunity to uh, uh, be a part of this message with Pastor Buzz. And so uh, it's going to be pretty raw and real. So there's a warning coming up, and uh, usually I'm not like that. I'm usually like uh, pretty optimistic and uh, happy, but this is what God's put on my heart, and we're going to be in the the Psalms, Psalm 13. So if you guys have your Bibles or on your iPhone, you can turn to version or wherever you are or on your app, you can use the app. And so turn there as we dive into God's word. And David writes, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. Pray with me. Father, I just pray for this message. I pray for this time. Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit fills this room, fills the room of those watching online, that you teach us, Lord, that you're with us that you hear us in these times of trouble, in these times of sorrow, in these times of anger, that we may know your name, Jesus. Lord, give us victory. In your name, we pray. Amen. I remember when I was in high school, I was a sophomore, and at this moment, uh, my mom and my dad and my brother, they, they said, hey, we got to have a conversation. And we sit down and thinking to myself, I'm thinking, well, I don't know what this conversation is going to lead to because I was like, what's going on? Like, I'm trying to guess in my mind, just being a high schooler, it's probably this, it's probably that. Maybe I'm in trouble. Am I grounded? Are you pregnant? I don't know. Like, what's going on? And they sit down and say, awesome, we got to have this conversation. And my dad looks at me and he says, oh, I got this thing called cancer. And it's, it's, it's hard. It's tough. And I just want you to know that. I want, to, I want you to know that I love you, that we love you, that we're going to work through this, and God's going to use us. And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, that's, that's horrible, but I know you got this. 
I know you, you're in this. I know you follow the Lord. And in fact, you're probably just going to, doesn't matter what it is, you're going to achieve whatever it takes to get this thing away from you, get this thing out of your body because God loves you. God loves us. He loves our family. And that couple months where the doc said what was going to happen turned into a couple years. And our whole lifestyle kind of changed day after day, new diets, new, this is what I'm doing. It was almost kind of like nerdy, like making fun of my dad a little bit on that side, like, ah, what? You're not going to drink that? You're really going to drink that? I have to drink it too? Are you kidding me? But we walked through this whole new change and it fast forward to now I'm a sophomore in college and I got into this school that I was going to and I was excited. But at that moment, my dad's health really declined. And a trip down south would be a long trip for this guy. But he wanted to do it. And he did. It was awesome. And as he's in his wheelchair, going down the hallways to my dorm room, meeting my new friends, meeting my whole new life, really, it was exciting. And he had this last conversation. I'll never forget it. He was looking at me. We're at the car. He's basically dropping me off like, good luck. But he said, I love you. I am proud of you. This is big. One of those last hugs. And a month into my first semester, I get a phone call from my aunt saying, you need to come home. You know the moment, that moment? You have that like, your stomach does that little twist thing. Your heart kind of sinks. That was that moment. And I'm thinking, what's going on? Like, what would be, it's only been a month. I can't just come home now. Yeah, I bought you a ticket. Just grab a bag. If you can get there, that would be amazing. And I remember just getting on the plane, finally getting there, walking in, seeing this, this house that I grew up in. My whole family's in there. And it wasn't one of those moments where we're like having a party. It was one of those moments where he's sitting there on this bed, hooked up to everything. And that's a rough situation. But I remember he took off this mask contraption, looked at me, and was smiling. And I get to him. He can't even say anything, but he just hold my arm. And I just knew that was like, I love you. Beautiful moment with my family, my brother. And in those moments that we face like that, and it could be in death, it could be in sickness, it could be in corona, COVID. Like there's been this year that we've had so much emotion. And when we're not talking to the man and we do this like I did then, we go on to this trail where we want to do what we want to do because we don't want to have that conversation with the big man. We want to just figure it out. Or we'll have these people help us figure it out rather than having this conversation with our God. And our God is so good. And as we see in Psalm 13, David has a conversation. That brings us to our first point. It says we can have a confident, confident conversation with God. We can. We can be real and raw with God. We can call him out. Look at David. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me? Have we said that before? Have you said that before? I've said that before. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? Don't you understand what's going on, Lord? Don't you see what you're doing? Don't you know how I feel? And every day I have sorrow in my heart. How long will my enemy triumph over me? I'm losing, Lord. I thought you'd bring victory. I didn't sign up for that. I thought we're bringing good. You're bringing faithfulness and salvation and you're saving me. But right now you're not. I'm losing. 
right? That's heavy. And the beautiful thing is David is just saying it how it is. We can say that to God in confidence and come before him and struggle and wrestle with him. God allows us to have confident conversations with him. Pastor Danny talked about John 11 where Lazarus, the whole, that whole funeral crazy moment with Mary and Martha, where were you, Jesus? Oof, that is hard. If you were only here, you would have saved your, our brother, our friend, your friend, our family. Where were you? Ugh. And what does Jesus do? He helps us understand what's going on. Look at David. Like what he's saying <laughs> just straight from his heart. God allows this conversation. God wants us to feel. And in fact, he did feel that. He feels the weight of sin. He understands where we're going to, but he's going to do something big. Right? He shows us this. I want you guys to understand that when we have these confident conversations with God, they lead to an understanding of his compassion for us. His compassion for us. When Jesus was there, in front of everybody. Probably looked like an embarrassing moment. Like, nice, Jesus, you missed it. Where were you? They were saying it straight up. And now he, what does he do? Scripture says he wept. He wept. He understands the weight of the world. And in fact, Scripture says this, which is hard to swallow. John 16, 33 says, I've told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. Oh, that sounds good. I like peace. But in this world, you will have trouble. He promises this idea of trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. That's beautiful. But we're in that moment of sin and sorrow and brokenness and death. In that moment when I'm sitting next to the bed, that's not a moment where I really want to know that. I want to fight. I want to yell. But God gives us a confident conversation so he can understand his compassion for us because he knows that way to the world. He knows it. And look at David. When he's trying to understand it, this is what David shows us because in verse 5 and 6 he says, but, right, I said it, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. All of a sudden there's this, this click, this twist. Well, I know that you anointed me as king. I know that you want me to lead your people. I know that when I stood up on that battlefield as a kid, that you were going to bring victory through me against this amazing huge giant that everyone was scared of because I trust in your unfailing love. I trust in your victory in my life. Oof. But right now, it's been a long time where I haven't heard your voice. I haven't seen what you're doing but God gives us, when we have those confident conversations, he allows us to see this compassion for us because then we see the victory that he's brought in our life. And it's awesome. It's beautiful. But in those moments, it's hard to see. But now I can look back on those times where I was with my dad. This is why I, could, I had to stay here for school because I took those last two years so, so to heart because I wanted to be with him. I wanted to be in every step with him. And it's hard to realize what God was doing in those victories behind the details. 
But he showed me that when we look back, you see the victories that he's doing. You see the bigger picture of where he is bringing us, what he wants for our lives. And in those dark moments, it's hard to see. That's why we have to have this conversation with him. Be in that moment. It's going to hurt. But God gives us a bigger picture. And this is, this is the last, last one little point that I want us to understand that this is where Jesus reveals his glory, his power, his salvation for the world. Where after weeping in John 11, he goes to that grave, the tomb, and what does he do? Looks pretty ridiculous in that moment, I'm sure. What is he doing now? He's been dead for days. Move the tomb. I am the resurrection and the life, he says in John 11. Lazarus come out. Where this, this moment transforms people. This moment of victory brings from death to life, from broken to beauty. And in those moments, it's hard to see that, but that's what Jesus did even in his moment before his father. He's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. What did he say? He's being real, having a confident conversation. Lord, take this cup away from me. I can't do this. Look at that. Where the creator of the universe is calling out, doing the same thing, just as we would do. But what does he do instead of just giving up and saying, no, I'm not talking. I'm doing my own thing. Instead, he what? Picks up the cross. He goes to the cross, right? This is where it's beautiful, where Jesus does something miraculous. That in dark moments, it's hard to understand but he's up on this cross. And what does he say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. They don't know what they're doing. They don't see what you are doing. And in fact, he's on the cross and he says, Father, why have you forsaken me? And he feels that moment of turn, that rejection, that, that discomfort. But he shows us this. He shows us, which is our last point, our obedience to God's unfailing Love, bring about the deliverance of others. Where Jesus sees this bigger picture and he knows the way to the world. He knows the sin of the world. He knows that it is tough, but he wants to do what he says in scripture. He says, I will overcome it. I will rescue my people. Fulfilling John 3.16 that he loved everyone. And guess what? He gives us a chance to trust in him because he knows it's tough. But it's hard for us to see that if we're not having that conversation with him to understand this compassion of what this last world of the year and everything going on recently. And I know you, if, if, if I've faced some stuff, I'm still a young guy, you've definitely faced stuff. And in fact, if you haven't, you will, as scripture says. But there's a beauty in that broken as we trust in his unfailing love, as we are obedient to him, sounds wild, but he's going to use you to deliver others in the name of Jesus. He's going to use you in those moments that you have been obedient, and you'll look back and go, wow, I have been there. And now you can embrace someone going through that one moment because your obedience is going to bring about the deliverance of 
someone else. And it's not because of what you have done. It's what Jesus has accomplished. And so we go back to Psalm 13 and we see David's point of view of just, but I will trust in your unfailing love because why? You've been good to me. You have been so good to me. And when we're saying how long, here it's not that long. That sounds crazy. Maybe it's been years. Maybe it's been your whole life. But God calls us to this kingdom mindset where it is eternity. And he calls us to this obedient walk of deliverance that is going to help save the lost because of what your choice will be as we follow after Jesus. And that's huge. Philippians 2.8 says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Man, that is so heavy. And so what are the struggles going on in your life right now? Maybe it is death. Maybe it's sickness. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe family drama. Whatever it is, God is working and he's with you in these details. And if you haven't had that conversation with the Lord, maybe you were like me and you closed it and you said, I'm going to figure it out. That's a dangerous spot. Where David gives us an example saying, I'm in a dangerous spot, but I know you're going to use me. Where Romans 8.28 says what? And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And that's a heavy verse when you're in those moments. It's probably not the recommended verse to say in that moment when you're going through it, but in that perspective as we follow after Jesus, as a Christian, we know it's hard to see that moment, but God is going to use it. Just this past month, my father-in-law passed away. And seeing that moment again going, oh my goodness, this is like going down memory lane. What is going on? But because I had a confident conversation revealing that compassion for what God is doing in my life, what he's doing for the world, what he does through the church, what he does through you. I now can go, I know, God, you're going to be working. I know you're going to bring victory. And it's hard right now to see that, but I trust in your unfailing love. I rejoice, right? My heart rejoices in your salvation. And I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. Right, and the Apostle Paul says an amazing verse at the in his end of his, one of his chapters in Philippians, right? I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So whatever the situation you are in, know that God is with you and you can approach him and try to understand what he's doing. But I challenge you to obey because your obedience is gonna bring the deliverance of someone else. Let me pray. Father, we just thank you for who you are what you're doing in my life, what you're doing in our life, what you're doing in all these little details. And sometimes we don't see that. 
but help us understand these struggles. Help us understand the situation so that we can see your salvation for us. In your name we pray, amen. Amen, Austin. Thank you for telling us the truth of what it's like to look God, who you feel like has disappointed you in the face, and tell him the truth. That takes courage. You know, I've asked Austin to pin some of these things up here that we might be dealing with, you know, whether it's death or divorce or sickness or rejection or loss or suffering. God is with you, and we can tell him the truth about it. You know, but sometimes it feels hard to tell the truth to God because you feel really far away, and you feel like, Man, if God only knew what I had done, and he's God, and he knows everything, he definitely knows what I have done, I can't tell him the truth. I am too far beyond the reach of his grace. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt so far away? Man, I have done. I have done. It's not a fun place to be. And the the Bible gives us some images, some metaphors to uh, speak about this, to capture this idea. And one of my favorites is the image of fire. You know, fire is used in the Bible in a lot of ways, uh, whether it's a metaphor of purifying, of cleansing, of sustaining, of guiding, like that pillar of fire by night, of destroying, but also for becoming holy, becoming forgiven, and becoming clean. And that's the metaphor I want to kind of unpack today as we look at this last installment of our Uncaged series. How can we become clean through the fire of God and the fire of of the Holy Spirit. And whenever you think about fire, you have to ask yourself two questions, I think. Is this fire going to help? <laughs> or is this fire going to hurt? Does it help or does it hurt? You know, here in California, we know quite a few things about fire, don't we? And pretty much it hurts, right? But I didn't grow up in California. I grew up in Kansas. Growing up in Kansas is just like growing up in California, except we can see farther because we don't have any of that natural beauty to get in the way. You know, we can just look all the way to the horizon. And uh, we view fire uh, pretty differently. And so one time I was growing up, uh, my friend John was turning 16, and I was invited out to his house for his birthday party. And for his birthday present, he had asked his dad if he and his friends could burn down the old barn and the old shed. And just like any great Kansan father, his dad said, go for it, right? And so we soaked that thing in uh, kerosene and, uh, you know, safety first, but also we were like 15, so safety second or not at all. And uh, we thought, how can we light this thing on fire? And this is, this is a true story. And I've never told my parents this, so if you're learning about this right now, mom and dad, I made it. It was totally fine. We thought, let's set a can of kerosene, like a gas can, a metal one, and shoot it with a shotgun, right? And then it will spark and it will catch fire. Genius. It didn't work. All right, second genius idea. This is all true. We soaked a rag in kerosene, tied it to an arrow as if we were Robin Hood, right? Flaming arrow, launched it into the barn. I say we, I didn't do it. I was standing there watching and the flaming arrow also didn't work. And so we surrounded it and we shot uh, fireworks, uh, Roman candles into the barn. That worked, man. It worked a lot. (laughs) And uh, the whole barn goes up. It's beautiful. We celebrated it. kind of died down. We cooked hot dogs over it. And then we slept in a circle around the campfire. And it, it cleared away an old barn. We got to cook some dinner. And it kept us warm all night. It was a fire that, that helped. It was safe. It was good, right? Um, this other time, I was eight years old. And uh, we lived so far out of town that the trash service didn't come to our house. So we had to kind of either take it to my dad's business and throw it away. Or if it was cardboard, uh, we would actually take it out back and burn it. 
Again, this is Kansas. This is just how we operate. Through the winter, we had kind of accumulated a lot of cardboard, and finally, early March, it was time to take everything out back to be burned. And so I'm like, you know, building what we call the burn pile and uh, lit it on fire. And uh, wouldn't you know it, uh, a gust of wind came up, took one of those burning boxes, and then gently and delicately placed it into our tall and dry grass. And uh, you're, oh, no, exactly, oh, no, right? It took off. And Dad says, go up and get the hose, because uh, we had a hose nearby, because, again, safety first, or maybe safety not at all. So I'm pulling the hose down, but it's March in Kansas. It's still cold, frozen cold. The hose bursts into, like, infinity pieces. Go into the garage, he says, and get a uh, five-gallon bucket. Start carrying water down the hill to put out this fire, which by now, there's no way I'm putting out this fire. Eight-year-old me can barely lift the bucket. And he finally says, go and tell your mom to call the fire department. So I did, and mom thought that I was joking. This was not a joke, right? Then she looks out, and she sees the fire taking over our field and heading towards our neighbor's field, and our neighbor was a cattle rancher, and so the grass which was about to be consumed, was needed for his cattle and his livelihood. And we were, we were in trouble. I can still remember my dad out there with a snow shovel, beating down the flames, making like a last stand at the fence. This was not a fire that helped. This was a fire which was out of control and a fire which hurt. Man. <laughs> I think we can ask those same questions about God and his healing power, his forgiving power. Does it help or does it hurt? Does it help me or is it going to hurt me? And I think this is a question the Israelites had to ask God as they gathered around Mount Sinai. And we see this in Exodus chapter 24, verses 15 through 19. Uh, it, it, it says this. I'll just read it for you here in, in verse 15. It says, when Moses went up on that mountain, the cloud covered it. And the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. For six days the cloud covered the mountain, and on the seventh day the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud. To the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. Then Moses entered the cloud as he went up on the mountain, and he stayed on that mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Did you catch that in verse 17, that the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire? Hmm. So where would you see yourself in that passage as an Israelite there at the bottom of the hill looking up at Moses? What would be in your mind as Moses enters that consuming fire glory cloud? You know, I think there's some of us, if we are being honest, that would hope that somebody like Moses who knows God face to face and is this goody two-shoes kind of a guy maybe in this way of thinking, you kind of hope that he gets what he deserves, that he kind of burns up, right? Uh, this is like what Jonah and uh, Danny's message on bitterness taught us, that we want forgiveness for me, but judgment for you, right? But so often I think we find ourselves in the opposite position, and we worry that Moses, he'll get forgiveness. He'll get to see God face to face. He'll walk through the fire. It's great for Moses, but... For me here at the bottom of the mountain, I'm no Moses. Judgment for me. Forgiveness for them, God is good, but judgment for me. If God only knew judgment for me, I'm too far beyond the reach of grace. We feel like if we let God's fire in, it won't be that fire which keeps us warm. It will be a fire which is unleashed and burns down our whole field, our whole life, our neighbor's lives, and we can't stop it. A fire out of control. 
it'll be better, we think, to burn internally with this fire of guilt and shame. Just keep it contained inside because if we take it to the Lord, man, it's gone. God's healing fire will help them, but it will hurt me, we might think. God's forgiveness helps everybody else, but I'm too far beyond. It'll help them, but it'll hurt me. Man, do you ever feel like that? It's good for the pastors. It's good for my family. It's good for those other people, but me, I'm too far beyond. I'm going to keep it quiet. Hold on to my guilt. Hold on to my shame. I can't let that forgiving power loose in my life. It's going to hurt. It's going to go crazy. It's going to burn everything down. Or sometimes we wonder, is this true? Like, can God's power really purify even me? Is it strong enough to cleanse me? Is it strong enough to get into all of my broken parts? And man, I've got a lot of broken parts. Can it really purify me? Or is it up to me on my own to kind of work my way up to the top of the mountain to see that glory cloud face to face? Will God really come near to me? Has Jesus really paid it all? Sometimes we think we have to keep on working, keep on building, keep on guilting ourselves, keep on coming back, keep on doing the right thing, running down the checklist because we feel like we're just too far away. This is the main thing, I think, that keeps me from coming close to the Lord. I think to myself, good for everybody else, but I'm just too far away. I want to keep my secrets. I don't trust him, and I don't trust that he can purify me. But the author of Hebrews in chapter 10 has good news for us, I think. And man, the gospel really is good news, isn't it? Because in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 14 through 18 It is written that by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. And the Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this, because first he says, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I'll put my law in their hearts. I will write it on their minds. And then he adds, their sins, our sins, my sins, and lawless acts, he will remember No more. And where these have been forgiven, it is written, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Those sacrifices we try to make on our behalf, whether it's guilt or shame or doing the right thing, we don't need to do that. Sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary because Jesus has paid it all with his powerful and cleansing and purifying fire. But yet we still look at that cross sometimes and we think in the negative, that can't help me. We feel this way about God's grace that we're beyond its reach, that it cannot help us. You know, kind of for two main reasons on this Sunday. And the first is that it's almost like God's fault for not reaching far enough because man, if God had been there, this stuff wouldn't happen. Can forgiveness be true? Or secondly, like I'm sharing with you today, we are too far away. God surely can't bridge that gap. But Hebrews says, our sins and lawless acts are remembered no more and the sacrifice is once and for all. But I think there's a third reason too, if we're being honest. If we look at that purifying, cleansing fire of God, we think to ourselves, I don't want that because it might hurt me, right? It will hurt to be forgiven. It will hurt to be cleansed. It will hurt to be refined. And I don't know 
that I'm ready for that. We look up like those Israelites did at Moses and they say, yeah, it's good for Moses, but that looks scary. I don't know if I'm ready for that. I don't want that consuming fire glory cloud face to face with God. I'll stay down here at the bottom of the hill. This is close enough. That full forgiveness, that full changedness, that's going to hurt. I don't know if I'm ready for that. And here I must tell you the whole truth, I think, about the grace of God. And first I have to tell you that it's absolutely free. It is the gift of God. You can do nothing to earn it. It is a free gift, just like in Hebrews 10, that it's the sacrifice of Christ once for all, not by faith, not by work, or excuse me, only by faith, not by works, so that no one can boast. You cannot earn it. You cannot earn your way to God. But the second thing is also true, that turning to Christ leaving things behind, there is a cost to that. When God cleanses you, you think it might hurt because you might lose your friends. You think it might hurt because you might lose your family. You think it might hurt because God will not stop at the one thing you bring. He wants to purify all of you. And that is true about the grace of God as well, that it is a cleansing, refining fire head to toe. You might have to do the hard work of admitting your wrongdoing or the hard work of letting go of your guilt. It is the free gift of grace, but there is a cost. Man, Jesus says, count the cost before you take up your cross and follow me. It's a precious, free, costly gift worth every single penny can help me, but man, it might hurt. And that's why I want to say it kind of this way. The fire of God, this healing, cleansing fire, it helps, it hurts, but it's for me. Not for others, it's for me. It helps, it hurts, but it's for me. And it's for this reason, I think, that John the Baptist described Jesus' ministry in terms of a, of a cleansing fire. As he put it in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, uh, John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who's more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He, and he means Jesus Christ, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And if we think of that baptism, that sacrament of baptism as a welcoming in to the family of God, to think of that welcome being a cleansing fire, the refining act of the Holy Spirit, and a purifying flame. Wow. And there's something holy, there's something alive, something moving, something working, something heavy, but it takes that power to burn away from us every impurity. It takes that fire of the Holy Spirit to make us new. We cannot do it on our own. We are be on the reach of his grace, but God made a way. He reached across and he says of his salvation that it helps, it can hurt, but it's for me. It helps, it hurts, but it's for you. The free gift of grace is for you. You are not beyond his reach. But as I look back at high school, me, and I see that barn burning down, you know, this controlled burn that made a new phase of life on that farm, clearing away according to the plan, making a great night according to the plan. It, it hurt, but it helped. It made a path for things which are new. And I look at us burning down our fields. We didn't plan it. <laughs> 
it was out of control. Yet, good came of it anyway. And after our field had been burned off, uh, new seedlings sprouted, new trees. Out of that burnt and ashen ground came the most beautiful, luscious lawn we've ever seen. Man, areas we hadn't been able to walk through in years because of the tangled vines and like the choking undergrowth, it had all been cleared away. And we had a beautiful forest teeming with life. We didn't plan it. We didn't control it. Certainly not. But this out-of-control fire made a way for all things to become new. It was beautiful. And I want to say to you today, where do you feel Christ inviting you? Are you holding on to those smoldering embers of guilt? I would say exchange it for the healing and purifying fire of forgiveness. Are you holding back from God's fire thinking it's good for them, it'll keep them warm, but for me, I'm not ready for it. Forgiveness for them, judgment for me. I want to say to you, no, it's forgiveness for you as well. Jesus Christ sets you free. You are not beyond his grasp. Or are you at the base of that mountain, looking up at that healing fire of Jesus Christ and saying, man, it will hurt too much to be clean. I want to say to you today, the gift of God through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ, is worth every penny. Absolutely. Can we open our hearts to him today and be set free? I want to encourage you, if you're even at home watching with us online, maybe write some of this stuff down. What keeps you from God? Why are you mad? Tell him the truth. How long, oh Lord? Write it down. Are there reasons you feel like you're separated from his forgiveness? Are you too far away? Are you worried about the pain? Just write it down. Tell the truth about it. And so as we kind of continue to respond to him in worship today, let's tell the truth to our great God and say to him, how long, O Lord, will you forgive me? Or say to him, I don't think you can heal me. Father, I'm too far away. What is your truth? Let's tell it to him today as we worship him together. So let's pray and invite him in.